real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast. Be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. Know what really sells your product or service? It's not marketing or ads. It's you, your blog, your social feeds, your podcast. These are all ways we try to share ourselves and our value and build trust with an audience. But what if you could go even further? What if you could connect with potential clients or customers in a way that's even more personal, more engaging, more effective? That's where webinars come in. Hosting a live lesson, product showcase, or Q&A session is the best way to share yourself and prove yourself to an audience. But wait, you're thinking, aren't webinars a giant pain? Yes. Yes, they are, but not with Webinar Ninja. Webinar Ninja has one job, to make webinars easy for you. It's the user-friendliest software ever created for webinars, so you can focus on your audience, not the tech. Here's the best part. You can use Webinar Ninja absolutely free. Just head to webinarninja.com forward slash Sarah, where you can sign up for Webinar Ninja's new free plan. Share yourself, prove yourself, Earn the trust that creates customers and inspires loyalty. Head to WebinarNinja.com forward slash Sarah and sign up today. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah St. John, and my guests today are the founders of the Ostrich app, which creates a community of people interested in their financial lives using social challenges. Welcome to the show, William Glass and Andrew Holiday. Thanks, Sarah, for having us. We're excited to be here. Can y'all give us a little background on how y'all met, how y'all got the idea for the Ostrich app? I'm also kind of curious how you came up with the name for it. That's a funny story. So happy to have you. Should have worn the shirt. Yeah, <laughs> can't believe what I think about it. Happy to share. So um, I'm William Glass, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Ostrich. And Andrew and I met. Gosh, it's been what almost a dozen years now. We're getting on, getting old now. Eleven years at least. Eleven years. I like to yeah. talk about it now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Andrew and I met. And if, if you haven't spotted his accent, he's not from the U.S. originally. But uh, we met in college, so we both played soccer down at Rollins College in Orlando, Florida. And we met before school started at pre-camp down in Florida. So what are y'all's backgrounds to have started an app? So we met, gosh, 11, 12 years ago and went about college. We stayed close friends post-college and ended up going down our own paths. And I'll let Andrew share his own journey and, and what he did, but in Thailand for a year. So I taught English through the State Department, did a Fulbright scholarship. And the only thing that I wanted to do after I graduated college was to live abroad for a year in case things hit the fan in the US, just to prove that I could survive somewhere else. So real high goals coming out of college and managed to do that and then ended up coming back. And I think your audience will appreciate this, but wanted to get paid what I thought I was worth. And most of the jobs were, you know, starting out were $40,000, $50,000 a year. And I felt like I was worth more than that. And so I ended up in sales working at a company called Gartner Research, which essentially advises large companies on which technology software products they should use. So I know, Sarah, you're really into finding good options for software. So I think you can kind of appreciate, but they do that essentially for the large companies. So I ended up in sales there because it was the only job where I felt like I could control my own destiny and control my paycheck based on the amount of work that I did. And through that, got exposed to technology software. And I worked with startups specifically.
specifically. So worked with CEOs, CTOs, CMOs of software companies, and then ended up getting recruited by a client. And this was still in Florida and uh, moved up to New York City. And that's when Andrew and I reconnected and I'll let him tell his story. And then I can share a little bit about where the, the company came from and the idea for the company came from. Yeah, absolutely. As Will correctly points out, I'm not I didn't grow up in the US at least. I was I was born in Livingston, New Jersey, but uh, my family's English. And so I grew up in England. My parents moved back there when I was maybe two. I have a younger brother and younger sister. They were both from England. But so I came back for college, played soccer at Rollins. And then while I was there, I actually started uh, a small business, which was called Sports. And that was producing photo montages for college athletes who were graduating to be given as senior gifts, which was a nice little business. It ran profitably from day one, which was pleasant, but it didn't it wasn't really set up to to scale, certainly not the way that I was doing it at the time. So I went and did an MBA when I graduated at the University of Rochester. I focused on finance while I was there, which is something I'd had an interest in over the years. My dad worked in banking and I'd sort of taken an interest in that, particularly with the kind of tickets we got for for sports games over the years. I thought, well, this is pretty cool. If if you get these by doing finance, then maybe I'll be interested and fell into that life. Moved to New York City when I graduated from Simon and and started working in private equity. I did a couple of years at a small family office and then moved into portfolio valuation with Hulahan Loki, which is an investment bank, which was a great education, really good experience, but really, really grueling hours as anybody who's worked in banking in New York will tell you the opposite to will where it was I want to get paid what I'm worth and I don't want to be a, a slave to the job it was it was getting well paid but definitely a slave to the job and so yeah we will and I reconnected when he moved up to New York and and had been kicking around this idea of personal finance solution based on the the issues that we had both seen and personally come across and I'll, I'll let him pick up the story my parents got divorced because of money in 2008 when the financial crisis happened and the housing bubble burst, their relationship burst along with it. Didn't have common goals, communication, and just too much stress and anxiety around what was going on. Ultimately, it was just too much. And ever since that time, I became really focused on my own personal finances and have seen all these cool apps come out, which I am sure you use and probably a lot of your audience uses, Mint and Personal Capital, Robinhood, all these cool apps. But None of them seem to solve the underlying issues that we have in our society when it comes to money and finances and what they cause. And so that's where the idea for Ostrich came from was how do we zig while everyone else is zagging? Everyone's trying to build a quicker tool, a faster automation and robo-advising and all this stuff, but no one's focusing on all the other things that are, are super important. And so that's where Ostrich came from is figuring out how can we help people achieve their financial goals and reduce their financial stress. I was looking at the app and I thought a lot of the titles of different things is pretty funny, like Frugal Fall, Sunday Scaries, Clear Your Cards, Drop It Like It's Hot, Don't Hate, Donate, Acquire, Then Retire, all these different things. It's, uh, how did you come up with these different ideas? And can you tell us more about the app in general and how it helped people and how it's different than other financial apps? Yeah, absolutely. So definitely you can tell by the names of the challenges. We like to try to have fun with things and want to appeal to people that maybe don't want to look at finances because it is scary, brings on anxiety. There's all these emotions and things that we're taught. But uh, essentially what the app does is it helps you achieve your financial goals through financial challenges. 
And these challenges are based on your life milestones and interests. So when you first join the app, you put in um, all the things that you're interested in, life milestones, I'm saving for a house, retirement, want to put a kid through college, whatever those milestones and goals are. And then the challenges are tailored to actually help you achieve those. And we got the first idea and ran the first challenge, which was Frugal Fall on Facebook groups. And we tested ourselves. We didn't spend any money on that. We just got a group of 40 people on there and just ran a challenge. People picked one thing that they were unhappy with spending wise, and they chose to cut that out for the entire fall. And every day we'd have a poll and they were kind of funny, different questions and responses. And you could see how people were progressing. We manually kept a leaderboard and it was a ton of fun. And out of that, we saw about over $10,000 worth of savings and people were making better financial decisions even outside of that challenge. And it was just a really cool way to, to bring people together. So that's kind of where we started. But essentially, that's what we've built into the, the app is these social challenges that provide community and a pathway for you to achieve your financial goals. So you don't have to know everything about money and finances. You can just focus on the things that are most important to you. And that's what's really different about us is that we're really focused on those top goals. We're not trying to aggregate all of your data like a mint or a, you need a budget. Those tools are great at what they do. And Robinhood's great at helping you invest. There's plenty of other tools out there. But what we really do is just focus on those goals and help people build habits and stay on track. That's a creative way to go about it and motivate people to keep going and whatnot. I'm curious about how many users do you currently have? So currently on the platform, we've got about 300 users and okay. we're about to roll out the second version of the platform, which encompasses more of a social experience. Currently it's it's solo. So what we're really rolling in is that social aspect as well as enhanced gamification. So we've gotten a lot of really good feedback and that's the number one thing that our users are asking for are the more social components. Component. So about 80% of people are on track to achieve their financial goals to put it in perspective. So it works mm. from a solo perspective, but we know that we can do even better and bring in a bigger audience when we have that community built around it. And when did you launch it? So we went live, I guess it was at the beginning of this year, 2021. So we went live oh. at the beginning of 2021 and have been focused on building this second version of the platform since about March. So for the first few months is when we were really focused on the solo experience and have since focused on development and pivoted towards really getting the feature set right. We're still young. We're learning. We're learning. I think for context as well, Will's being modest, but he built the first version <laughs> himself. And you, you can oh. hear like neither of us have technical backgrounds and he he's managed to hack together using no code and low code tools, uh, wow. the version that's out there, which is uh, good solo experience but as, as you rightly said we we know that the social part is key it's a lot more representative of, of the experience that we want our members to have yeah i'd love to hear more about that no code and low code like if someone because i've thought of different app ideas and whatnot but i don't even pursue it because i'm like i don't know how to do any of that stuff so i'm curious if someone is interested in starting some sort of app can you reveal like what types of platforms you've been using yeah, absolutely. So there's there's a lot of good ones out there and they keep popping up. So this ability to build software products faster, it used to be focused on developers. So like I came across low code when I was at Gartner and six years ago, but all of the tools were focused on helping developers develop quicker. So you still had to know code, but in the last two or three years, they've now got to the level where you don't have to know any code and you can build really good apps and, applic and mobile apps and web apps. But the tool that we used for the design, the front end was called AppGyver. They're a Finnish company. They were just acquired by SAP, but they've got a free tier where as long as you're not doing $10 million in revenue, you can use their product for free. 
Mm. So it's a pretty awesome tool. And with that, you can do one design and you can design Android, iOS, and web. So you could build a website on there as well. And it allows you to get really detailed in terms of the logic. So when I press this button, I want to send data to here and I want to show the user this. And you can get really, really deep without knowing how to code. If you know some HTML, you'll have a leg up because you can do some custom things with some of the plugins. The Really, it was just hanging out on forums, learning how to do stuff, asking the right questions. And luckily, there's a good community with AppGyver. But Another really popular tool that people use is Bubble, which is you might have seen, but they've been around for a, a while. And I think they recently raised venture capital last year for the first time. They were profitable, didn't need it, and then decided that they wanted to go tackle and try to own this category. So I think they raised from some pretty prominent venture capitalists, but they've got some really great tools. But we chose not to go with them just simply because they, at the time, and I don't know if this is true or not now, they didn't have the ability for you to deploy push notifications on mobile. So there were ways to build mobile apps, but push notifications, if you're having challenges where people check in on a, a daily, weekly, monthly basis, that was like one of the key core features that we needed. So I would just say that there's a ton of ton of tools out there. So if you just search no code tools, there's some that are like super simple where there's pre-built templates as you can create a TikTok replica or an Instagram replica and like with a push of a button, and then you can customize it how you want. But there's there's a lot of really, really awesome no-code tools. I think Adelo is another one, which I've looked at. There's back-end lists if you want to focus more on the data side, but they also let you build the front end. So a little confusing name-wise. But yeah, there's, there's a ton of really, really awesome tools out there. I think I've heard of Bubble, but I hadn't heard of the others. How do you spell the others? You said app. AppGyver. It? So it's like MacGyver. MacGyver, but app on the front end. So A-P-P-G-Y-V-E-R, appgyver.com. Okay. Um, and then Adalo is another one, A D A L O. Okay. Adalo. Backendless, spelled the way it sounds, backendless. And there's, like I said, there's so many. So I would honestly just punch into Google, like top no code mobile app builders and go from there. But I think before we built using no code tools, we actually talked to like 30 different development shops about getting it developed, the platform. The quotes we got were insane. They were like at least $100,000 if it was in the US, easy, 150. Then we got them down to 50,000, maybe 30,000. And then that was every dev shop we talked to, whether they were outsourced in India or in the Ukraine or wherever, they all seemed to like come in around that $30,000 mark to build an app. And we realized that they were kind of just throwing stuff at the wall because <laughs> they didn't really know how much it was going to be until they started developing it. But it forced us to figure out what our, the features we needed were. And that helped us pick the no code tool. So that would be my advice mm -hmm. is figure out what features you need because they all do something a little different. Mm -hmm. So figuring out which ones have all the features that you need is the key. But we built the app with, like I said, AppGyver was free. Firebase is what we used as the backend of Google product. And that's essentially free until you get to a huge scale. So besides our time, we really spent almost $0 on development, which is pretty cool. Wow. Yeah, you definitely bootstrapped it then. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's... The Apple's the Apple's uh, Apple developer account was the most expensive thing. That was a hundred bucks. So <laughs> Oh yeah, I was gonna ask about that. So in order to get an app in the app store, it costs is it just a one time hundred or is that per year? Apple's per year, Google Play. So to get on the Android store, it's like I think it's twenty-five bucks one time. So, and they all have different processes, but the cool thing is that a lot of these no-code tools allow you to just click one button and some of them are integrated where they can even spin it up on their developer accounts if you want. 
So it won't say like made by Sarah St. John or Frugalpreneur Incorporated, whatever the company is, it would say their company name, but you can deploy it that way, get feedback. And then if it makes sense, you can buy your own developer account. Mm. But it's that was the most expensive thing that we spent initially. My wheels are turning because I'm thinking, okay, with these tools that you're talking about, you could create your own app. But you could even create your own business where you create apps for other people and it doesn't cost you anything, but you couldn't charge an arm and a leg like those people. I know Bubble has a really big developer community that does that. We actually talked to someone that wanted to charge us $30,000 to build on Bubble for Mm. the same app, which was interesting. They were like a development shop that used Bubble. And then there are people that do this with these different platforms. Because think about it, if you're a restaurant and you want like a very simple mobile app, you can essentially create what that looks like, copy it over and then change the colors and the design name. And now you've made one for the next restaurant that Mm. needs one in your local community. So there's, especially when you're doing simpler applications like that, Mm -hmm. ours was a little bit more complex, but there's definitely a business opportunity there. Have you thought about creating a, a course or a book or anything that talks about your journey and how other people can create their own app? Kind of like what we're talking about here, but more in depth. I've definitely thought about doing like a series of YouTube videos. The the problem is I'd have, it would take a little while to, because now I've gotten to a level of understanding where like I can move stuff really quickly, but I don't know how to break it down because mm-hmm. you've got to essentially do like, here's how you use the tool to begin with and then get into some of the more complex things. Because there were some things that were a little more challenging, like connecting APIs mm-hmm. to connect outside tools. So we use Airtable to put content into the app. So we had to figure out how to integrate Airtable with AppGyver's APIs, which at first is really complex, but now I can read read the API kind of documentation and pick out exactly what's needed, but it's not obvious. So there's a little bit of a learning curve for sure. But yeah, I've definitely thought about it, but have been a little busy with Ostrich to, right. <laughs> to put that together. Is Ostrich what y'all are both doing full-time now or is or do y'all do other things and this is a side project for now? So this is our full-time okay. thing. We do a little bit of consulting on the side, Andrew and finance and other things to bring in a little extra cash at the moment while we're still uh, in the early stages. This is what we do. So then how do y'all make money? Because it's a free app, right? Is there a paid tier or something or how does that work? Andrew, you want to take that? Yeah, sure. So we, yeah, we're not going to be charging for the app. We're not, we don't have plans to put in a paid tier. We kind of have uh, two main revenue streams. The first one is affiliate marketing. So obviously our challenges are financial service agnostic, right? We don't care what accounts you use. What that means is when somebody has an investing goal or savings goal, they don't have a brokerage account, they don't have a good savings account, then we can say, hey, here's three that we recommend. And the the user picks one of those and we make an affiliate commission after off of that sign up. So that's kind of the first way. And we have, I think, 15 tools at the moment that are live in the current version of the app, we plan to expand that as we grow. And then the second revenue stream, which is the one that we're most excited about, is B2B sales. And so we have a couple of different angles here. One of them is for financial services to be able to connect better with their consumers through sponsor challenges, for example, and engage with them that way. And then another is, you can think about it as ostrich as a service almost for employees 
of companies. So take like a lot any large company, right? That's got a 401k offering and they want to increase participation in that or for people to better use the benefits. You know, that's something that we're able to do by educating those employees in a in kind of a separate section that they can sign into with their work email address. And then we can relieve financial stress in that way as well, which hopefully leads to better employee performance, retention, and so on and so forth from the business point of view. So that's the business model at, at this stage. We're in conversations with a few different large corporations who are, who are pretty excited about the possibilities for what we can do on both sides. So it's an exciting time to be figuring out what other opportunities are out there for us to make money whilst helping people. Yeah, I was thinking, and maybe you all have thought of this, or maybe you don't like this idea, I don't know. But because Dave Ramsey and the whole financial peace thing, and I know he has an app called Every Dollar, which I use, it's a budgeting app. Mm -hmm. But I, I wonder if he would be interested in like, teaming up with y'all in some way shape or form or he, he recommends different things but as a social app for not for budgeting per se like the one he already has but for like goals and the challenges and all that that would be interesting yeah hey, if dave if dave wants to partner with us I, our, our phone line our phones are available you know give us a call dave, <laughs> we'd, be happy, yeah, we'd be happy we'd be happy to take it <laughs> But uh, no, it is. It's interesting because we've talked about this specifically. And Dave's, you're not the first person to recommend Dave Ramsey, and his solution uh. is is something that would be a, a good partnership for us. And they've also got a, a corporate wellness program that's probably not as well known called Smart Dollar that we've mm -hmm. also looked at as another potential avenue on the the B two B side. But I mean, working with folks that are in this space that have followings, have their own philosophies. They could use Ostrich to create challenges, create more community and beyond just the budget of seeing our people staying connected. So we absolutely see that as a huge opportunity for us long term. I think that's something that we really kind of like about what we're doing as well is that we're not people might think, oh, you're competing with a mint or with a you know personal capital or acorns or Robin Hood for these eyeballs. We see those organizations as potential partners as well. They're great services and all we want to do is enable our users to achieve their financial goals. And if that means using Mint to be able to see everything that's going on in your financial life or using Robinhood to invest or using Dave Ramsey, right, to, to help you pay down debt and to create budgets, we think that's great. And we want you to do that because that's our mission is to make sure that you're working towards your goals and improving your financial life. The fact that we have the opportunity to potentially work with all of these different organizations and people is is really exciting. So I'm curious how y'all got the name. This is a fun story. So I think a lot of people probably do this. We couldn't figure out what the heck to call the app. We couldn't figure out what to call the company, what to call the app. We were on like GoDaddy typing in every bad combination of thin lit and thin smart. And I don't know, we had some terrible names, but we ended up at a mutual friend's birthday party in Brooklyn. It was at this like rooftop bar, but I don't think neither Andrew or I were drinking. We were just there and we were sitting at the table, like trying to come up with names, typing things up. And then I think at some point I looked over and like Andrew had a shirt with a bunch of ostriches on it and pointed at it. And we're like, ostrich. That could work. Ostrich. All right. We're trying to help people get their heads out of the sand. Okay. That, that works. Build a nest egg. All right. Ostrich. It's simple. It's easy. There's no other finance companies that are called ostrich. This, uh, this could work. Oh, that's cute. I, I think ostriches are such funny looking creatures. There's this place. Well, so I'm in Dallas and there's this place in a town called Glen Rose, which is like two hours or so from 
where I live. It's called Fossil Rim, but it's like a drive-through thing where you feed animals like ostriches and giraffes and all that. They like walk up to your car and you feed them, but you're not supposed to get out of your car. That's the thing. Well, when I got to the ostriches, I figured, eh, whatever. So I got <laughs> I got out of my car and got really close to the ostrich and everything and but nothing bad happened. But then I saw some videos after the fact, not mm-hmm. from that place, but just in general of how they can be run after you and like peck at you and attack you and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I mean, because it was taller than I was. The ostrich was. They're massive. We had so we spent some weekends in New York in Central Park wandering around just with signs and frosty beverages for refreshments that we hand out to people in exchange for some feedback on the app and you know a little bit of support. And uh we spoke to one group where there was uh, a woman who had physically seen an ostrich. Most people haven't, it seems anyway, mm-hmm. but this woman had, and she was terrified of them. She was the, and she's the only person who said to us, why did you call it ostrich? Everybody else <laughs> seems to think, oh, that's funny. That's nice. Like we, yeah, I kind of get it. It's a bit unique. And this, this one woman was, was like, so scary. So, <laughs> you know, we, I think we're pleased that most people perceive them through the internet as opposed to physically. And they're, you know, not too scared of the name, thankfully. Have you either of y'all seen one in person? I think I have, or you know, maybe not. Actually, no, probably not on ostrich, but something similar in in South America, mm, um, like an emu or something. Yeah, but yeah, so something representative at least. Yeah, I mean, I was probably like one to three feet from the ostrichs. Oh wow! And yeah, they're fast know. too. You're not going to outrun an ostrich. They <laughs> yeah. like, they top out at like sixty five miles an hour. So oh wow! Yeah, yeah, I probably wasn't a wise decision but fortunately i survived nothing happened but thank goodness <laughs> that's good they have really big eyes though i remember that they have really mm-hmm. big eyes anyway big eyes big eggs lots yeah. of feathers <laughs> well awesome well i've enjoyed uh, having y'all on and learning more about y'all and ostrich and how y'all got started and the future and everything uh, was there anything else that y'all wanted to touch on or make sure you cover before we go I think one thing that I, I think is important for your audience, which I'm sure they, they're very focused on this as, as they're listening to the Frugalpreneur show, is understanding your own relationship with money. I think that's something that we don't talk about, right? Money is kind of taboo, but I think it's really important to recognize that whether it's positive or negative, just understanding it. Like when you think about money and finances, do you get happy? Do you get excited? Do you get anxious? Do you feel shameful? Just kind of recognizing your relationship, I think is really important. And that will dictate a lot of how you make decisions. Because I think for us, we're tackling financial well-being, but we really see that as a way to tackle well-being. Just finances tend to be tied to all of the things that we want to do in life. So if we can help solve that, we can help people live better lives. So I just say, recognize your own relationship with money. It's kind of the first step wherever you are in your, your financial journey. Yeah, I definitely agree that being in debt and finally being out of it, but you don't realize, I guess, how much money is, how much weight is on your shoulders, especially when you have debt and what a relief that is to not have that issue anymore. But right after we paid off our debt, we had a big AC bill, like the coil or something in our AC unit went out or was leaking or something and they had to replace it was like $1,600. And then I had to get a new catalytic converter, whatever it's called, on my car, which was like 500 But at least the money was, if we had still been in debt, well, then that would have just gotten us further in debt. But we were able to. Yeah, but now it's on the horizon, right? There's no more debt to, to kind of right. weigh you down and you can take care of these things. 
Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you've got the law of compounding interest no longer working against you, but now right, because right? you don't right. have, a, have debt that you're working on. But mm-hmm. was, I'm, I'm curious here, what was it about the using Dave, you said you used Dave Ramsey's tool. What was it that mm-hmm. really helped you guys get out of debt? Was it, I'm just curious. Well, first of all, budgeting, because we weren't budgeting at all, which is weird to me because I was raised in a family that's very money conscious and frugal and budgeting and all these types of things. And so I thought that I knew these things, but then I didn't pay attention to the amount of money going out versus the amount of money coming in. So budgeting and like creating specific amounts per category and being able to manage and track that. And so all of that. And then the whole snowball method, pay off your lowest debt first and then all the way to your highest. So, I mean, I guess if there was one thing, it'd probably be budgeting because we weren't doing that before. I can't imagine not ever doing it again because I'm sure there's some people who go through it, they pay off their debt and then they're like, okay, I'm good and they don't continue to budget. But I'm like, I don't know how I couldn't continue to budget at this point because I just never want to get back in that position. <laughs> yeah. And you've, you've built that habit, right? Like it's a really mm-hmm. good positive habit now that helps you know where you're at and feel confident in the decisions you're making. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And so if people want to download the app, they can go to getostrich.com and then I'll have show notes at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash ostrich and it'll also have links to the different things we were talking about great well Well, thanks sarah yeah this has been a lot of fun we really appreciate you sitting down and letting us share a little bit about our story hopefully some people will will take away some good ideas whether it's to go build their own mobile apps or get their finances in order yeah definitely and i have the app i just haven't really dug into it much yet but i think i need to do that especially now that the debt's paid off and now i can focus on other goals you know like savings and whatever else Yeah, join DCA is the way. It's one of my favorite challenges. So dollar cost averaging and there's snowball in there too. So in case you, uh, in case hopefully you never need to pay it off. There's a snowball (laughs) challenge. There's also avalanche if you want to take the other approach. Well, thank you again. Be sure to grab your free copy of my list of 27 tools, resources, and software programs I use to run my businesses on a tight budget. You can get it at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash 27 tools. That's T-H-E-S-A-R-A-H-S-T-J-O-H-N dot com forward slash 27 tools. Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack. Connect with fellow listeners. Share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.